0: Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Brown, and welcome to The Millie Podcast. The more I talk with people, the more I'm hearing the same thing. We're all looking for more meaning and more substance. People want to get away from the scripted reality and get to the heart of each person's story. This podcast is for women who want to rip up the script and explore new ideas, places, and possibilities. Every two weeks, I'll be talking with an inspiring and inspired woman who is creating impact in her community, and more importantly, a woman who can teach us to be ourselves, go after our dreams, and write our own story. I can't wait to share this journey with you. It's time to see the world in a different way. Today, I'm excited to welcome award-winning social entrepreneur and founder of Cheekbone Beauty Cosmetics, Jen Harper. Jen's story is an inspiring and powerful combination of serendipity and skill. Jen launched Cheekbone Beauty in 2016 after a dream she planted the seeds of an idea for a company that would help Indigenous youth see themselves in a beauty brand.
1: One thing I felt that was really missing in my youth and growing up, and even in my early 20s, I had no role models. I never felt like I could relate to people that I saw publicly on the regular, right? It's that whole concept. If you can see it, you can be it.
0: With no previous experience in the beauty space, but a strong background in marketing, Jen researched the current makeup landscape and looked for charities to collaborate with and further Cheekbone's mission.
1: I really built this for Indigenous youth. I wanted them to see themselves in a brand, Raven Capital, which is an Indigenous social impact fund based out of Vancouver. So we had been in conversations for quite some time. And then because our business was based on a social cause, Desjardins gave us $50,000. That was the journey. We had enough capital for actually me to quit my job, go all in on cheekbone and start making our sustain line, which launched finally in March. 2020.
0: Cheekbone found the First Nations Child and Family Caring Society and now donates 10% of its profits to Shannon's Dream, a Canadian youth-driven movement advocating for equitable education funding for First Nations children. In addition to Cheekbone's mission, Jen strives to educate as many people as possible about the residential school system and the effects it has had on her family and friends through decades of generational trauma.
1: It was part of the the church at the time to remove their spiritual practices, and that included their language from, from their culture. I know personally that my grandmother would be physically beaten for speaking Ojibwe. They weren't allowed to hug their siblings or cousins, if they saw them.
0: She speaks regularly to students about social entrepreneurship, empathy, and the history of her First Nations family. Just don't give up, whether you're starting a new
1: career, building a company, or even just trying to create a new habit. The idea of not giving up so means every day just waking up and doing something to move yourself in that direction forward. Even if you stumble, just get back up. Because if you get back up, and keep going, failure can't happen. It just can't because you're continuing to move forward.
0: Jen has been making a name for herself in the beauty industry, gaining further recognition after appearing on the hit CBC show, Dragon's Den. And in 2019, Chatelaine Magazine named Jen as one of their Women of the Year. Welcome, Jen. So I am such a fan of yours, and I'm such a fan of your brand. How are you doing?
1: Good, good. We're, you know, just marching along i think uh i feel like we're doing more work than we ever did which is you know a little bit strange considering what the first part of the pandemic felt like and then now i feel like we're grateful just really grateful to have work and have work to be busy with right
0: of course absolutely for people who are listening uh who might be learning about cheekbone for the first time can you tell us about it
1: yeah so uh e-commerce, direct-to-consumer beauty brand. We predominantly focused on lips for a really long time. Started at the end of 2016. But the backstory is kind of crazy because I have zero, nada experience in the beauty space. I worked in the food industry uh, for most of my career and then in the hospitality industry prior to, to that. And had this crazy dream back in 2015, and in the dream there were all these native little girls, and they were covered in lip gloss. And I jump up from that dream and literally grab my laptop and start uh-huh. writing like all these ideas down. Now I know it's called a business plan, but I really <laughs> yeah. didn't know that then. And uh, and and so here we are today, you know. And from that night, I was originally like, okay, so yeah, it it all made sense. And it's so strange when I think about it now, because it wasn't a dream like, you know, like this is the business cheekbone beauty that you're going to create. And this is what everything that's going to happen. I think it was just planting the seed of this idea. And at the same time, I was learning about who I was as an Indigenous woman um, and what that meant, and what happened to my grandmother. And she was a residential school survivor. Mm-hmm. And so, learning all of those things at the time, not being fully satisfied where where my career was going, or uh, so there was a lot of things I think that played into that, and how I could uh, get out of what I was doing and what what I could create. And so so began the journey. And I think it's what five years later since I really started spending most time on this. Three years I was working my full-time job still and doing this on the side. So it wasn't until tw- August 2019 when I left my my full-time position uh, in, in the seafood industry and jumped wow. in all, all all into Cheekbone Beauty. So yeah, quite a journey, insane. I can't believe every, like literally, you know, wake up every day and, and say that I get to do this job. And a really funny story is back when I started at Cisco, which is a broadline food distribution company. We were had to do this like 13 week training thing and I remember they asked what would your dream job be? And I'm not kidding you. I wrote to be the CEO of a major cosmetics brand down, having no idea. Like, wow. that blows my mind. I actually reached out to Joan, who was, like, the training manager of of that organization. And she's, like, answered me back on LinkedIn, like, I retired 10 years ago. <laughs> but I was like, do you have the things? That, like?" Because I was like, I needed to see what I wrote. But I remember writing that. And it really does blow my mind out because I had no – not a, not a, even a, a an inkling that this would ever happen.
0: So – I read that cheekbones are one of your favorite features on the face, so I take it that's why you named your company Cheekbone.
1: It's one of the reasons, there's a couple. Um certainly always been a huge fan of the cheekbone on anybody and I was literally about 9 months into like I guess the business development and idea of building Cheekbone and was listening to a podcast <laughs> that uh, Sarah Blakely was actually speaking on, and she started talking about naming Spanx, and how the K sound is really memorable. Comedians use it; uh, it sticks with people. And then I was like, K words. What could, you know, bouncing names for the business around and and writing things all over the place. And then cheekbone, like, popped into my head, and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I love cheekbone. So, got home that night, did more research, and found out that. Um, not only is it my favorite feature indigenous people in general are known for having high cheekbones then looked up and and found that in in the marketing research that people with high cheekbones are perceived as as more trustworthy and so i really really like that because i think a part of our brand story is that uh, we needed to really build trust and integrity with our community, uh, not only with our Indigenous community, but also all uh, uh, of a whole new beauty community that we're trying to create because we're brand new and nobody knew about us. And so, um, it's it's incredible to me how important trust and trustworthiness really are. So it all it all intertwined and it worked out, and thankfully um, uh, we just. This January, after like three years, I think, received a letter from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office saying that they, our logo and the word cheekbone, uh, belong to us.
0: Oh, congratulations! <laughs> yeah. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah, pretty excited. I mean, could you have imagined your success ten years ago?
1: Not at all, and and really because um, part of my story is I was a I was struggling with alcoholism really badly for oh my goodness about six years and that would have been ten years ago that that was happening and it was I couldn't even imagine <laughs> someday if I think about if I'm being totally honest, I being alive right now is really powerful <laughs> because it was it was that bad it was that big of a struggle and so in 2014 I get sober after really reaching my rock bottom. Um, and that was November of 2014 and had this dream in January of 2015. So like it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. I I fully believe that cheekbone beauty has been part of my healing journey and this like route to finding joy and happiness and clarity and connecting all of the dots that, were, I think, not connected my entire life, but I finally feel amazing and whole and that I get to wake up every day and do great work, that it all feels really, really great. I'm really, really blessed and fortunate that um, a sobriety found me.
0: Yeah. Do you think cheekbone would have happened if you didn't get sober?
1: Not in a million years. Wow. <laughs> Never. Not. Absolutely not. I wasn't even getting out of bed some days on the days that I did and could like I was still getting to work in like the bare minimum like it was awful like truly mm-hmm. but putting on lipstick believe it or not yeah. was at the best I could do some days it just to face my clients and customers and it's so funny after getting sober so many of them knew that I was clearly struggling mm-hmm. but didn't say anything until I got well and they are, they were blown away by the transformation. So it was great because these have been customers. I've had them as clients for, oh my goodness, 10, 15 years in some cases that I had been, been in the food industry and in sales and marketing. And so they had known me for so long. And I think really watched the whole struggle from sort of beginning to end, but someone surviving that and, and coming out and thriving. And then, you know, them knowing that I was leaving to keep building cheap beauty. I've never seen so, so, so many happy customers. They're sad that I was leaving, but really happy because of of what I was able to accomplish.
0: Wow. You've actually spoken about, you know, the aftermath of of this experience. I think you talk about you still have guilt as a recovered person. Do you still struggle with guilt? And what would you maybe say to someone who might be in recovery right now? Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, for I'm a mom, so I don't know. I I've never met another mom that doesn't struggle with guilt at all. So still for sure, but fight it mm-hmm. really hard every day reminding myself of uh that, you know, that that is designed to to make us quit. I I firmly believe that there is negative forces that don't want people to be happy. So it's fighting that, right? And whether it's internally within us or from outside sources, just uh, having the strength to fight the negativity every single day and the stuff that's happening in our own head. Mm-hmm. And if someone is in recovery and starting the journey, just don't give up. I I mean, I give that advice, whether you're starting a new career, building a company, or even just trying to create a new habit. The idea of giving, not giving up. So means every day, just waking up and doing something to move yourself in that direction forward. Even if you stumble, just get back up. Cause if you get back up and keep going that, that, that if failure can't happen. It just can't because you're continuing to move forward. It's when we succumb to the the setback or the or the or the obstacle that that then we we fail. But we we don't. Even if
0: even if it takes two days, a week, just get back up and keep trying. Well, actually, you pitched cheekbone to Dragon's Den. No deals were made. One offer was made. One dragon cried. Two dragons gave you advice not to give up your equity. So what was going through your head after that? How did you not give up? Mm, So a a, a little
1: backstory, which um, I think, you know, if you're watching the show, you certainly don't know this is happening. Raven Capital, which is an indigenous um, social impact fund based out of Vancouver, had reached out to me probably like eight, 10 months, maybe a year prior to the Dragon's Den Uh, Episode. So we had been in conversations for quite some time. They created a term sheet for me and let me go on the show without signing it. Mm. But they were so. Were they're giving me this space, but really presented me with an offer that was unbelievable. I didn't even know these kinds of offers existed. It was far better than what the show was was offering. But it was three hundred fifty thousand dollars with no equity. Okay. And it's called a convertible debt deal. So they're basically giving you this money based on the fact that you're going to pay them back, or at some point, they will get equity in your company. Uh, And it's extremely reasonable. Like I was, you know, you think, oh, then this means the interest is going to be insane. It wasn't. It was, it was an incredibly fair, generous offer. And so Uh, If nothing better than that was coming from dragons, then I knew I would walk away from the show and have that opportunity is what, and obviously then that's the direction that I was able to take. So amazing, got to leave uh, the show having all of the wonderful um, opportunities that came along with the show because Desjardins actually at the end of that show Gave us $50,000 because our business was based on a social social cause, which was amazing. So not only we had that $50,000, and then that was the journey. We had enough capital for oh. actually me to quit my job and go all in on Cheekbone and start making our sustain line, which launched finally in March 2020. Um, but so, yeah, really exciting, I guess, when you don't know the back scenes of, but super scary because I everyone says, like, how do you walk away yeah. And without any capital, there is no business. Like there just isn't. So I needed funding to continue for sure. I'm just so grateful that I didn't have to sacrifice giving up that much equity at that early of it. Like, uh, I believe it's Arlene and Michelle that gave the best advice and it was so true. It was way too soon to give up any equity. That
0: was really, it was really fun to watch as a viewer Um, I think we all want to know, have the dragons been in touch maybe to congratulate you on all of your success or have you just been in touch with them since?
1: So Michelle and I got to do a little after Dragon's Den uh, because of the Desjardins deal later. So I got to see her the fall before the lockdown. So like 2019, Um, after the show aired, they did a follow-up and it was pretty awesome. So yeah, super. And stay connected with her on social media all the time. So definitely. um, staying. And and Manjeet's teens reached out and said for the airing of the show, they wanted to make sure they had cheekbone products. So she was wearing it that night. And so yeah, they were just super, super supportive group of uh, people.
0: Wow, so cool. Jen, you call indigenous people the OGs of sustainability. Tell us about this and what sustainability means to you, and how you produce your products. Mm,
1: yeah, the reason I, I say that is with the uh, the stats: Indigenous people make up five percent of the world's population and are literally protecting eighty percent of wow. the world's biodiversity, which is pretty insane when you think about it. Um, so. I guess if we watch the media, you see people protecting land and waterways because of issues maybe like pipelines or... in, in the West, uh farming fish in, in oceans are a problem. We know in the Amazon uh industry is tearing down rainforests at like mm-hmm. enormous rates. Uh in I know that there's lots of issues that happen in Australia and New Zealand. So it's uh it's really evident in South America, all over there like it's just it's the indigenous people of those lands that are the ones that are doing so much work in, in terms of protection it was became so evident to me really early on um, when i just started paying attention as you grow as a business you start to pay attention to all the things you're using and shipping and it felt heavy and i was like okay so as a as the leader as the founder what what changes can we do what can we do differently is there really anything humans can do to fix the massive problem that they've created um, and if i'm really honest um, That's, that's going to be a massive challenge. So just to break it down to what I could do personally, and then what my business could do, that's where I had to start and just think Mm -hmm. about the changes we could make. So that started the, uh, the mission for us to become a more sustainable business and brand. And so what that means to us is really looking at, um, an analysis system called life cycle thinking, where from the harvest of raw ingredients to the end of life of a product and the processes that happen all along the way so end of life where does that product end up not in and that includes the raw ingredients and the packaging so when you put raw ingredients down the drain what what um chemicals are in each product that could impact ecosystems and waterways negatively um those can all be eliminated and transferred into ingredients that are biodegradable. That is possible. And then the packaging. So if we don't want things to end up in a landfill, what are the other options? Obviously, there's refillable options, there's biodegradable options, and then there is recyclable options. But we have to become, a, I think, a, a far better educated uh, as a society and understanding, just because something has that sort of it can be recycled logo on it doesn't necessarily means it does get recycled so where you live matters what your region does uh differs around the globe so in some cases um I recently just found out that like Manhattan doesn't recycle. What? (laughs) Yeah. Like that if you live there, they're not even recycling items. So I don't know how true that is. I did not do any research in it, but I've heard that before about other cities don't recycle.
0: Well, I will tell you, I live half of my time in the United States and recycling is not made easy.
1: Yeah. So that's really frustrating because then, you know, as a brand, you think you're, you're making things that could go in the recycling bin, and at the end of the day, they're not. So it's just educating your consumer. So for instance, if something is even black plastic or colored plastic, even if it has the recycling logo on it, most recycling facilities are not going to do anything but throw that in a landfill. Wow. One, because I think the cost to... Uh, to To do anything with the product afterwards, it is just far too much money. So clear plastic, glass, those things do get recycled, and aluminum is an item that is forever recyclable. Um, so that is, a, you know, a great um, uh, option for packaging. However, the energy to create any sort of product or packaging. Uh, then becomes a sustainability issue. So Mm -hmm. like, for instance, glass is great, but it's super heavy. So your carbon footprint is, is increased. And so as a brand, then we decide, you know, we really focus on trying to plant more trees to to neutralize our carbon footprint. And there's a lot of things you can do in organizations now that you can work with to actually help supporting in in what happens at the end of life of product, like partnering with TerraCycle is, is a company. We haven't worked with them, but I know lots of other brands do, but we're we're interested in finding out how they can support us with any of the plastics that we do have to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we talk about this crazy, we call it our, our big, hairy, audacious goal of becoming zero waste. I feel like that is kind of, it's impossible in a sense, right? As 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 humans and as we use things. So we create that as a goal, um, as if we could do that, what would that look like? Or how close could we get? Right? Like, you know, that like big North star, maybe you'll never fully reach it, but we're going to do our best to try. So that's how we live and breathe at Cheekbone Beauty. And then, you know, that's the end of life of product from the beginning of the life. So how are things manufactured? Where is the raw ingredient sourced? And, are things being done ethically? So there's, and then everything that happens in between. And so it's a lot, it's a ton. It's almost, um, it certainly is another full-time job and a a role that we certainly take very seriously. Um, but we knew we had to do it in order to, um, feel good about the work we're doing. Yeah.
0: Yes, absolutely. I actually have your products and, It's very inspiring. Like your lipstick, for example, is in a paper, not plastic. Right. The exterior
1: packaging created in biodegradable compostable paper. But you'll see like there's the gold portion, but the internal piece of that is some clear plastic. We're actually figuring out right now that that could become a refillable um, item at some point because we've we've, we've, uh, learned how we can make them so that they actually just pop out. Right. Uh, very simply versus being so secure. So the paper, is obviously not perfect and it wears down the edges a little bit. But if those things don't matter to, to, to folks, then they could easily um, refill it. So there's so many, we're looking at so many different ways of creating new products that just Incredible. use less stuff, right?
0: Well, it's inspiring to see a Canadian company leading the charge in this. Additional to being ethically and holistically sourced, each, each cheekbone product is either named after a strong Indigenous woman or after words that mean land or earth, if I'm not mistaken, in one of the over seven thousand Indigenous languages. Yeah. Where yeah, did your inspiration yeah. for this creative concept come from, and and how do you continue to fuel that inspiration? Such a great question. Um. So
1: you know, originally this company was just me by myself and I really built this for indigenous youth. I wanted them to see themselves in a brand. And so how, one thing I felt that was really missing in my youth and growing up and even in my early twenties to thirties, I never felt like I could relate to people that I saw publicly on the regular. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I was—I was shared with someone a couple of weeks ago in another interview that my mom was like a, a, like a CCR gal, not really a Buffy St. Marie gal. So she wasn't really into folk music. Otherwise, if I would have known about Buffy as a young girl, who knows what that meant right. for my life, right? Like it's when you can see yourself in things. It's that whole concept. If you can see it, you can be it. I had no role models. And so that Warrior Women collection of liquid lipsticks that we have are really just a platform of indigenous women who have done incredible work within their communities from the past and, and from now um, that our youth could relate to. And I was truly inspired when I was reading their stories and finding out about who they are. And so it's not just every woman is from the entertainment industry. There's women from all industries, all different types of careers. And you know, you we often ask. Ask ourselves or when I did when I started is why is it that indigenous people have that connection to land and how come they are the ones protecting the the earth? And the more research I did and the more I really looked at my own family and myself is it's trying to convey and help The rest of the world understand that Indigenous people truly have a relationship with things in nature just as much as they would have a relationship with a mother, brother, sister, aunt or uncle. It's like family. And so when you truly are in relationship with something and love it from your heart, you do whatever you can to protect it. And so the sustain line lipsticks, we chose the word for land or on the land in many indigenous languages um, to help share. And it's one thing that was robbed from my grandmother and from many grandmothers and people that had to survive residential school was the the idea of not allowing Indigenous people to speak their languages. So I thought it would just be a nice way to actually teach non-Indigenous people and Indigenous people that don't fully know their language different ways of saying our words. And and sometimes um, they're not easy, always easy words to say. But I think the fact that if we're, we're just trying, it's certainly a start.
0: That's beautiful. It's very clear that the passion behind your business is from your heritage. Could you share, you know, how your heritage impacts the passion behind your business?
1: Yeah, I, I I think it's because I didn't feel connected to who I was fully as as a kid and as a as a young woman. Um, and it wasn't until I discovered the truth about where I came from and my roots and my grandmother's history And then I felt this, uh, you know, real desire and passion to share that with other people. And again, going back to our youth, like I didn't want any other Indigenous kid to grow up not feeling proud of who they were and where they came from. Uh, My disease of alcoholism uh, was born out of shame really years and years of shame of, of not understanding the truth about what happened to indigenous people and, and how that impacted my own life. And so the moment, uh, I always say this healing, I am healed and serve and and really thriving today because I started to speak to that shame. And the moment you start to speak to shame, it starts to die.
0: Wow. That's very powerful your mission is to educate as many Canadians as possible about residential school systems and the effects it has on family and friends through decades of generational trauma. Can you tell us what a residential school is for those listening who might be less aware?
1: Yeah, sure. So it was a system designed between the government at the time to assimilate Indigenous people into more of a european or settler way of life so when settlers arrived in in this area they called indigenous people savages because they were living off the land um and and really i think had uh, many many indigenous people had more of a nomadic lifestyle so following the food source which uh at the time left them traveling and so it was this idea that they had to become more civilized, and so they believed that this school system would remove uh, their culture, their beliefs. Um, it was also a, a part of the the church at the time to to remove their spiritual practices, and that included their language from from their culture. Um, but as you as we know, with many cultures, um, removing things of that are i think innately in people for one the, the language uh really damages um so many people in so many different ways and and what that did is there's a, a term now it's called generational trauma so yeah. uh, um not only were they trying to remove remove this it wasn't done in a a, a real loving caring fashion it was um really regimented um i know personally, that my grandmother would be physically beaten Uh for speaking Ojibwe. They weren't allowed to hug their siblings or cousins if they saw them. Um, So it was, uh, it wasn't a fun experience by any means. Um, And at, while that was all happening, um, you, you can imagine what, what happens to a human being yeah. when th- those things that are very valuable to them are being robbed from them. Right. And so it, it left so many scars on so many people. I know my family is certainly not alone in the damage that it had done. Um, and so the term generational or transgenerational trauma has, has, uh, was brought to my attention and it, and it just makes perfect sense. When I started researching and, and learning about it, I, it really helped me understand who I was and where I came from and why I was having so many struggles um, with with identity issues as, as a kid and
0: as a young adult. Wow. And because of this, a big part of Cheekbone Beauty is to give back. You give back 10% Profits to First Nations Child and Family Caring Society, working to close the funding gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous students. Can you tell us more about this?
1: Yeah, so... The after that original dream, I really wanted. I left from it. And I was like, I'm to Okay, we're gonna make this lip gloss, and then I'm gonna start this foundation in my grandmother's name, wow. Emily Paul, and 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 get it to an indigenous youth that is, you know, probably need, might need funding help for mm-hmm. for secular education. And uh, after that, and meeting with business advisory, they're like, "Well, you can't start a business and a foundation at the same time. Like this right. is crazy." So. I had left that meeting and realized okay and they gave some great advice they said find an organization that you could support so um, shortly thereafter found Cindy Blackstock's organization, the First Nation Child and Family Caring Society. They of course are a not for profit, so absolutely accepted the idea of us giving them ten percent of our profits and you know, I was like, we have no profits, so right. um we're going to say this, but um ultimately paid to become a, a small business partner of theirs right away with you know, I had no money, but made sure they paid that five hundred dollar annual fee that that makes us a small business partner and uh, said that we would, even from the sales as, as not being profitable, we made sure that if we were a profitable business, what would that, that 10% look and feel like? So we did our best for, for many years to keep uh, donating. And we still do, um, but we're still not a fully profitable business. So you can imagine um, that the donations are not massive, but to, to the First Nation Child and Family Caring Society and in kind donations last year alone, we gave over uh, $100,000 back to community. So not only that organization, but we also support so many organizations now across North America. Um, And we do that through that concept of using 10% of our profits to give, as well as we created a couple more, we call them streams of giving at Cheekbone Beauty. So we have our our give box, which is seasonal. We do it one in the spring and one in the summer. Um, and we always launch it with some products from other brands as well as our brand and then add like a cash donation option in that. So when you're purchasing the box, uh, everyone knows that a big chunk of that is actually a cash donation that will go to an organization that's supporting um, something that we feel to be super valuable. So last spring was Uh, It was called uh, the Navajo Water Project. And we actually got clean drinking water and solar power to a family on the Navajo Reservation. And um, in the summer, we planted 2,100 trees with one tree planted. So um, those are just, and then in the winter, we had our uh, Christy Belcourt Um, holiday gift box and through that gift box five dollars from each purchase went to an indigenous land-based learning center that they're building uh right here in Ontario Canada and so gratefully we actually just completed that project and handed them a check for ten thousand dollars because of that one so there's so many like we do I'm really really grateful of the 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 work that we get to do and help other
0: organizations with. I hope you're very proud of yourself because this is incredible. And just like the dream that you had of all those young indigenous girls, I mean, that's what you've done. You're bringing so much happiness into their lives, you know, and representation as well. Thank you. Um, Your primary focus is education, but what other issues do indigenous communities face? Well, there's there's
1: lots, uh, you know. While building cheekbone beauty, just before we launched in 2016, I lost my brother, my younger brother, to suicide, uh, and really knew that suicide was a massive problem. Um, the numbers are and statistics are predominantly high in Canada for Indigenous youth, especially kids, actually in northern remote reservations, um, that the suicide rates are so so high. So you know, mental health and, and, and suicide are, is a huge problem. And it's, it's, uh, it's definitely heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking personally, um, to me and my family. And I know that we're not alone in that. And I mean, there's clean drinking water issues, many First Nations where my, where my family lives today, they don't have access to clean drinking water. And I believe there's like 140 more First Nations in Canada that don't have clean drinking water. And you know, healthcare issues. Uh, I, these are just like, I think, scratching the surface, but there's lots. Um, So hopefully, I try not to focus on, I mean, these are the realities of that, uh, the, the, the world that we live in. And unfortunately, I feel it's, it's, you can feel pretty helpless there, you know, there's, there's so many things I can't, fix or solve as a business or even as an individual but I'm I certainly try to be um empowering to our youth and be here as um really an example you know from my own personal struggles I feel I it's in a million years I would have never shared with people the journey that I've had to go on and the sort of the trauma that has been my life Mm -hmm. but I felt really um obligated to to like share that the the bad side of everything that i had to go through in order to get where we are where where i am today and only because i know so many kids struggle with that and so i i felt like for the sake of indigenous kids i will tell the story of mine that is not necessarily, you know, off. obviously my proudest moments, definitely not. And, the, you know, the guilt that comes with that and and that um, all of the mistakes I made, but I really believe that we can learn the most from our mistakes. And I really want kids to know that, like, I feel like sometimes young people get so caught up in not getting everything perfect, and and that there's there's so many pressures on them to be things at such a young age. And I just want them to realize that yeah, you, you can fall on your face like a thousand times and yeah. still stand up, and 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 then stand up and be and be proud of who you are.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm so sorry about your brother. Oh, thank you. I did read that, and am I correct that you were were just about to launch cheekbone when that happened? Yeah,
1: yeah. And he shared so much of the planning and Mm. the business with him, um, which I always say it's so strange because it's like such a painful companion to have Mm. his words run through my mind every single day. But certainly it is literally been the driving force because there's so many times when I wanted to give up like what am I doing this for entering and so remember no experience in the beauty industry and then when you get here you're like what am I doing here it's so competitive yeah. um, and not an easy place to try to figure out how to make formulations that you're like this is nuts what am I doing but um, he said something to me a few months before he died he said Jen he was a youth worker in our family's reservation. And he said, our kids need hope and they need help. And what you are doing with cheekbone is going to be great. So I'm like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, like not wanting to like do something. And then that sentence runs through my head and I'm like, no, I have to keep going.
0: Wow. I know there's a lot of people out there listening, especially with COVID who are struggling. And to hear your openness of what you've gone through and how you do pick yourself up and you keep going is incredibly inspiring. How can we as Canadians or global citizens better our knowledge moving forward? Are there authors that you can recommend or maybe Indigenous filmmakers that we can um, experience?
1: Yeah. So again, I think part of... For me, the one reason that I feel so important to share my story or when I do is that idea of, you know, empathy, because the moment we truly understand another person's path is the moment then we become a lot more compassionate. Right. And so I think we've lived in this space for a long time. Um, unfortunately, where we were maybe blinded by the media, because mm-hmm. um, let's face it, they're not necessarily telling the, the full story all the time or maybe every aspect of the story. Um, and so there's reasons why, you know, many of the stereotypes that existed about in, and still exist about Indigenous people, there's reasons why those stereotypes happened. And it, it at the end of the day, it's not necessarily all of the fault of their own. And, and Hey, don't get me wrong. I believe that we all have the time and space in our lives to heal, but that opportunity is, not, was, has not been always easy for people. And, and the reality is I was able to do this because I'm surrounded by an incredible family, like yeah. my husband, my children, my own, my mother, um, these, I have tools, a community, friends, I can't imagine. And, you know, most of the stories I read a lot about addicts and the ones that don't have anyone don't survive. That's the truth. And they did that study, I think, back in the 60s in the rat village and fed these rats cocaine. Um, And the moment they created another rat village that had all of the other rats living that had like beautiful greenery and fun things for the rats to do those rats that kept going back to the cocaine eventually went back to where the community was, but the ones that didn't have that option, of course, kept using their, 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 the drug of choice. And, and um, if you uh, think about that, you can see why, uh, you know, we see addicts on the street and you can imagine that maybe they don't have that opportunity of a loving family or community to support them. So I think the moment we understand Uh, Or try to, at the very least, someone has a story and there's reasons why people behave the way they do. Um, And if people hear my story, maybe they will be more empathetic to uh, the next addict or alcoholic they see on the street and stop making the judgment of, thinking they fully understand why someone becomes the way they do. And I can certainly say this. I've heard so many people say before people have a choice. Mm -hmm. No, it is a disease. It really is. Um, the most of the research I did was on the brain as I was on my healing journey and, um, neurologically speaking, we, I created this pathway actually at a very young age to turn to alcohol when I was dealing with an issue. And then that pathway, much like you see a pathway through the forest, just gets bigger, wider, deeper, deeper. Um, And until I rerouted that pathway. So for me, creating cheekbone was an entirely new, healthy pathway um, and was replacing the addiction. Um, And I can literally attest to you now that it probably worked too much because I have maybe a bit of an addictive brain, right? But at least this one's not causing me the problems or Or the the pain that the the other addiction did, um, and so I think it's important that we just all understand that everyone has the a story, right? Yes. And and the more we know about Indigenous people in Canada, uh, and the more we learn, because I did not know any of this till I was thirty eight years old. I had no idea about residential school. That blows my mind now to say that, and that's only seven years ago, right? Well, I will
0: admit as well, I'm on your timeline. You know, as a Canadian, I too was shocked, but it was... um you know, within the last decade that I too learned about residential schools. So,
1: And it's not our fault. We didn't know. No one was taught us, right? I know when I was learning about First Nations people in school, they were teaching us about teepees and wigwams. And that's all they were teaching us about. And maybe the Thanksgiving story that was completely wrong anyway. Uh, but we now have the opportunity and we're all learning the truth and know that something Uh, terrible did happen so what can we do now Mm. is we can maybe learn about the the first nation inuit or metis communities that live in the area where you live um and you can support that community by supporting um the um the things that they're, they're concerned about in that area. And so, I mean, I, there's no great expectations for people to do things, but just, I think that idea of empathy for me, uh, is the reason why I share my story.
0: Absolutely. So just as we're talking about learning each other's stories and through that, we understand we have more commonalities, you know, than we think. So I think what I've seen at least is the, is the rise of cyberbullying, it's terrible. It's, it really is. And it's unfortunate.
1: Uh, Cause I don't, I don't think enough of us like stop and think sometimes, right. That we don't, we just don't know the whole story of anything unless you're in it. How are I? And, and it fascinates me. Cause I will get stuck down a rabbit hole of reading comments mm-hmm. because I'm, I think I'm blown away at how cruel people are. Yeah. Like I didn't like it. I think I know that those kinds of people exist, but it almost feels unreal sometimes when you're reading the comment feeds, right? Like yes. that's these kinds of people that are that painful. Like, and then at the, uh, I, I literally, they're obviously struggling with their own kinds of pain Yes. because that's not normal to be that yeah. cruel, right? Like it's just not. And so I personally have taken a massive step back from mm-hmm. social yes, media. Yes, you had mentioned that. We it's ha- great. We have a social media team now and agencies that help us and a, a social media manager just because um, I think I take things too personally. One, because Cheekbone, my business, mm-hmm. obviously my baby. And so uh, definitely important to have other people answering certain kinds of questions or dealing with the negative feedback, right, yes. that you do get, which is totally natural and normal. And if something bad happens with people's orders, of course, we want to hear about it. Um, or, But I, I, there's a lot of just mean people, especially on social media. And I wanted to avoid that as much as possible. And I really had to take a break, especially during COVID when I'm struggling mentally anyway, right, <laughs> with, with the state of the world. So um, that was just adding to it but yeah I hope cyberbullying ends or we come up with some kind of solution but I I don't know I don't know what that is I feel I have two teenagers and I I I don't love that they're on social media or you know I I know I can my daughter's younger so I'm still have a little bit more control over there but I know my son I feel like he spends too much time looking at other people's stuff Mm -hmm. and then you know it's that whole compare, everything happens negatively there. There's a lot of positive, trust me, because we built, I built a business using social media. Um, But then there's so much negative with it too. So it's, it's scary.
0: I couldn't agree more. And uh, I was speaking with someone recently, how social media has kept everyone connected during this time. And that was like, you know, one of the positives of social media, but there are still so many negatives. I don't have children, but I mean, how are you doing it all? Sometimes my my kids just end up sitting here and they'll pop in my office
1: and it's so funny because I'm like, okay, this means you have to stop looking at your computer and turn around and talk to them because <laughs> they want hilarious. your attention. And then when they want your attention, the teenagers, it's really important that you actually stop and right. talk because that's rare, right? Right,
0: right, <laughs> yeah. right. Actually, here's the topic of uh, the question of you have kids do you launch your passion project or a new business? So how did you find the courage to do that while having children? I know this is kind of a, I don't know if it's a, not a good question or not, but I know some women might be in this position who they, you know, might not put this passion project or idea ahead
1: for me i think it was literally that matter of life and death mm. like i said i like um it was charles Dewey's book on the power of habit and i just knew i had to change my bad habit into something good and then when this started showing up and how it did and 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 really was like okay this is healthier so let me choose this um and still i have a great and amazing husband who mm uh, was so supportive and my kids, you know, I would do it literally, we, we never stopped having dinner together mm-hmm. or those kinds of things. It was like I, when they were in bed and it's like that eight o'clock at nighttime, then I would jump back on my computer and be on here till like 1am, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really interfering with their time. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can manage that, um, and manage your own ability to rest, I think it's possible. It's really, really, it is really, really hard. I'm not going to lie. Like I said to someone the other day that I am ashamed to admit how many hours I worked because when I had to work the other job plus this, that was, that was too much and totally unsustainable. Um, and now I get to still work on this and be a lot more reasonable with the time that I'm spending on it and still make time for, for my family. Wow. But I don't have to cook. Right. My husband's he's he does the cooking, and so I think that takes up a lot of time for for us as individuals sometimes. So I'm really grateful that he does the cooking, and I know my kids are too because I'm not a very good cook. He's much better. Hilarious.
0: (laughs) Do Jen, do you have a mantra that you use? Yeah, I actually do.
1: It's like it's uh, paper clipped onto my lamp right beside me, and it says, "Begin with the end in mind." Wow. So everything we start or in life, whether I, I always like, I call it rolling all the way to the end, how I want it to end up. And so if you could envision, um, the end of anything that you're starting to work on, whether it's a fitness journey, uh, healthy eating habits or a business, what do I want it to look like? And so I start at the end. Um, and it's funny, uh, I started buying these giant rolls of white paper, and I will roll them out and I literally like, I'm not an artist, but I'll hand draw and write the notes of what I want something to look like. Oh. And so Cheekbone Headquarters was the the last thing that I I did that to. And I'm sitting in our office this morning and I'm like, oh my, I can't believe I built this place. And all the things I had on that list with begin and the end in, with the end in mind are in here. Um, from building a lab, hiring a chemist, uh, we now have a team of almost 16 people, and 10 of them are full time. Wow! And paying people—you know, we we pay everyone a living a living wage. Plus, uh, our full time people are obviously salaried and get full benefits. And just trying, like it's all those things that if you could if you could go to the end and you know create the company that you wanted or the 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 place or the ideal situation, um, drawing it out and then I think going backwards to make it happen, right?
0: Okay, that's amazing. I love that. Love it that. feels
1: really backwards. Like when I'm doing it, I'm like, this feel. It feels so weird and backwards. But it's it. I don't know. Every time I've done it, it like really works.
0: It makes perfect <laughs> sense. I absolutely believe that. And visualizing, visualization mm-hmm. is so important. Um, so I'm par- paraphrasing here, but you've said. We don't really understand how important it is to know who you are and where you come from and how that plays a big role in where you are going. Can you tell us about this?
1: Yeah. So I think that started with my personal journey, but now with Cheekbone, I mean, the whole intention from the beginning was uh, helping every indigenous kid on the planet see themselves and then feel their value, right? Like, so... um, I I want this to be a global brand. And that's really hard, right? That's a really hard thing to accomplish. Uh, but Indigenous people are globally, it's like 370 million global population. So in every country around the world, there was Indigenous people of, of that land that live there and still live there. And it, you know, it's amazing that over the last few years, I've been connected with the the, the Australian government and their other Aboriginal organizations and the New Zealand government and their Aboriginal Indigenous organizations. Um, and then in South America. So there's so many opportunities. I feel like that it is really possible. Like I can, I can really see that, that Cheekbone Beauty can be a global brand. Um, and ideally it'll start with obviously a global distribution partner, so, um, that is on the board of things to make happen. I was going to ask, what's next? Yeah, is, um, you know, we, we've been e um, and I believe that e com will stay mm-hmm. powerful, but there's big groups and organizations like Sephora that is an international, the largest, I think, international beauty retailer in the world, unless there's something in China that I'm not aware of. But um, from my research, Sephora is it. And so, that's definitely our on our list of things to get done and accomplish, right? Start working with them. Mhm.
0: How can we get involved in your mission beyond purchasing the product? Everyone go out and purchase the product. <laughs> I yeah, this question is so hard. I think I guess cuz it's like you I, have many goals.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think I just want people to I want people to think deeper and differently. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think um when we can start to do that, we'll see things differently. I absolutely agree. And lastly,
0: what is your hope every time an Indigenous or non-Indigenous woman wears cheekbone? I want them to literally feel
1: great about who they are, and I think we're living in a time in history where people can really choose the brands they support and what they stand for by the products that they're purchasing. And so not only do we have like incredible products that are like, like our sustained lipstick is just like this buttery lipstick and they're really beautifully pigmented. So it's going to feel great on your lips and you're going to look great, but you also get to feel great about supporting a brand that's doing something other than just making a profit.
0: Absolutely, I believe on your packaging it even says "feel good."
1: Yeah, our, our tagline is uh, "do good, look good, feel good." Yes,
0: I have your sand palette. I think for the oh, the contour nice. and the eyes, and it and it yeah. says that when you open it, and I just love that because the minute you open it, you know you're in you're within this world of um, this feeling, which is um, it's really beautiful.
1: Yeah well thank you so much thank you so much for having me thank you for even wanting to listen to our story every time it it gets shared i know that that's part of supporting our mission so i'm unbelievably grateful
0: i'm grateful for you and i'm inspired by you truly That's awesome thank you for joining me for this important conversation to learn more about jen and cheekbone beauty please visit cheekbonebeauty.com Please join me next time when I speak with Claudia Cusano, writer and editor of the award-winning Nouveau magazine, Canada's Authority on All Things Exceptional. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please hit subscribe, share with your friends, and visit us at millie.ca.